0: Hello, I'm Peter Mayland.
1: Hello, I'm Linda Burrows.
0: And welcome to Trust Education. And uh, Trust Education is a podcast which explores the world of education in Academy Trusts. And this week, I'm delighted that we will be speaking to Matt Stone. And Matt is um, a teacher, well, he's just come out of the classroom, actually, as, as we were here, um, who um, currently works with, with walkthroughs and an expert coach, a thinker, a reader, researcher, trainer, and um, a famously knowledgeable and humble person. And Matt joined us uh, last week, just at the beginning of term, and worked with uh, all the classroom staff in our in our trust, introducing them to coaching with walkthroughs. And this is our conversation with Matt Stone. Matt, thanks uh, very much for joining us, and, and you're very welcome. And uh, thanks again for the work that you did with the with the staff uh, the other day. The response to that has, has been fantastic. Uh, really good start to the year. Uh, focus on on teaching and learning, and the way you explain. Um, both the walkthroughs but also what uh, good teaching and learning and assessment looks like in the class uh, and also how we as teachers can can improve. Uh, it was fantastic. Before we get into the kind of walkthroughs and, and coaching in detail, you've you've only just stepped out of the classroom yourself but how, how did you get into teaching?
2: Uh, well first of all th- thanks for having me. I enjoyed um, working with you all uh, last week and, and it's uh, really grateful that you've had me on your podcast as well today. Um the, how do I get into teaching? Well, there, there is uh, there is a story behind this. So I never initially wanted to be a teacher. It wasn't anything that I had planned. Um, I was in that difficult situation like so many others are where I left university with a, a BA in English um, and your, your options are sometimes limited. Um, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So actually, I, I started my work in life um working for Sainsbury's if I'm allowed to say the brand
0: you are are, the big
2: big orange supermarket um, on a graduate management scheme Um, and and that's where I thought I was heading strangely Um, and I worked my way through different departments the fruit and veg department the fresh foods department (laughs) and I, I ended up with a bizarre speciality on the overnight meat and fish aisle where uh, I became quite good at redressing the Christmas turkeys into the into the meat aisle and, and I found a bit of a niche and I, <laughs> I started being touted around the country kind of dressing meat aisles with you know dressing turkeys into Christmas meat aisles and and there came a point uh, um <laughs> after a couple of years of working overnight um, in, in in that role where I thought maybe there's something else I could do. <laughs> maybe there's something else that might be a little bit more um, academically challenging um, that might put put my interest in reading and literature and research um, to, to better use. And in a bit of a hasty uh, a hasty moment, I kind of resigned, <laughs> resigned from my job and uh, applied last minute to get onto a PGCE course. And it was really last minute. And I was fortunate to get into a, a pgc course and the from from there really uh, the the rest was the rest was history i've I've worked my um entire teaching career in south wales serving quite deprived quite challenging communities ex-mining communities where the the children and the families face lots of challenges um and made my way through the ranks as an english teacher to a head of english um to an assistant head, to a deputy head, to a regional lead uh, for uh, coaching and teaching and learning, supporting schools across South Wales to implement their own programme and and part of the uh, success around that was walkthroughs and, and the work that we were doing as a school with walkthroughs and that um, in turn then led to some opportunities to work with other schools uh, with walkthroughs with Tom and with Oliver and and then, as you said, uh, stepped out of the classroom officially at the end of last academic year and I took up a post full time with walkthroughs in September, um, which has taken me around the country in in all manner of roles, really, supporting schools with teaching and learning, getting them set up with coaching, um, launching walkthroughs programmes. Uh, but also, kind of contributing to the w- resources and the materials and the, the writing of of um, the, the work and literature around around the, the stuff that we do, so yeah, really exciting, so a bit of a strange journey um, it wasn't necessarily the the master plan but um but but loved my time fifteen years in the classroom um loved loved it uh, and you know left because I felt that I had a really good opportunity to do something really exciting um and, and here I am. So so that's that's the story.
0: Fantastic. Thank you. And, and you're clearly somebody who, who thinks and uh, reads and listens uh, very deeply um, and, and researches very deeply about teaching learning. So was was that the kind of step for, through leadership and then uh, into work, work working with the walkthroughs um, that you, you really wanted to kind of focus on that and then obviously kind of supporting colleagues to to, to improve?
2: Yeah, that, that that was a lot of it. I think um, I, I have to be honest and say that I felt for the first five, five or six years of my teaching career, uh, I felt like I was doing my best, but I didn't really have a, a handle of what I was doing. <laughs> and I don't think I'm alone in that. I think lots of teachers feel that I felt woefully underprepared, really, for, you know, the 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 realities of running a room effectively and managing learning and I had never really been exposed to the, the research around teaching and learning and it, it sounds a bit strange to say but really Twitter was, was you know, a game changer for me um, when I discovered a, an education community on Twitter and people sharing very very generously around what they knew and what they did and recommending reading and recommending research and I kind of found this whole new (laughs) this whole new world around teaching that partly I felt a bit angry (laughs) that that I hadn't had that you know and that 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 wasn't maybe readily made available to people but also um, relieved (laughs) because I found that some of the things that I was trying to do and you know I over the last 15 years and I'm sure you you know is there have been some things that have been encouraged in the classroom that really go against the grain of a lot of what we know about what actually works. And there are so many teachers fighting against the tide to do those things Mm -hmm. and not really getting any results or the results that they would like or they potentially could have. And the people who suffer there are the the children, you know. And and so I felt relieved that actually what I found and what I started to research, you know, in many ways, um, endorsed or validated some of the things that I was finding myself yeah, you know, and even little things around around seating plans, <laughs> around attention, around behavior, around direct instruction was a big thing for me, just mm. discovering kind of Engelman's work on direct instruction. And we're always told, always told not to talk too much <laughs> in the classroom and and that the children should be, you know, always leading their learning and and that's hard. You know, it's hard for lots of reasons. And validating the fact that actually there's a a really good case for saying there are some things that need to be explicitly delivered to children to, to classes. There are some things that need to be intentionally tested and built and modeled and scaffolded over time. And and, and that just wasn't available. And so I mean, I suppose you know that that for me was was a big turning point. And I felt in the kind of second two thirds of my teaching career i was far more effective because of it you know and and then as i took on more responsibility i suppose that was when i felt part of that responsibility was to distribute that research around the school first of all around my department you know i wanted to be an a research informed english department you know and i that that's that's how i wanted to to go about it and And then when I moved into senior leadership, I wanted to be leading a a research informed school Um, and not for the sake of saying it, but for the for the benefits that it brings when 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 you make those connections, you know, and so and so it's always become a part of, you know, that's become a part of the way I think about the profession now is when I was looking to it took me ages to to get up and running with coaching um, in my own school, not because we weren't ready to do it but because I didn't want to miss anything. <laughs> I, didn't want to, I didn't want to make a decision based on something I've read and, and then find that there was something I'd missed. So I kind of like over-researched the, the, the evidence base and the the guidance around coaching, you know, for, <laughs> for, 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 two years, two, two, two to three years, just before we made any firm decisions about what it would look like. Um, and so, so for me, that it's an important part of what we do. It's an important part of, justifying validating bringing people on uh, on board focusing in on the things that we know work um uh, and and I'm, I'm really pleased to see that i think that's that momentum is is really gathering in the profession i think there's a real appetite for knowing um about what we refer to as the collective wisdom of the profession mm-hmm. um and i think that's that's really important
0: uh, absolutely. So to, before we dig into into coaching a little bit more, um, you, we've mentioned walkthroughs um, a few times and um, I'm, I'm, I was blown away the first time I saw the walkthroughs um, because they simplify and make really explicit, um, quite difficult concepts and some of the things that, that, that you've kind of talked about um, in a really consistent way. Um, and and so, and so so we we use them and we, we really kind of prioritize them in our professional development um, toolkit for, for staff but but kind of, what are they and um uh you know and I suppose then we'll get, we're going to get into how how you see them being used as, as part of a coaching toolkit
2: yeah so um tom sherrington and oliver caviglioli are two kind of hugely respected educators um, consultants authors um frankly, two of the cleverest people I've, <laughs> I've, ever, I've ever met. Um, and my, my understanding is that the, the origin of walkthroughs came from a discussion between the two of them where um, the observation was made that so much happens over the, uh, over the life of a teacher. So many new techniques, initiatives, ideas are shared and, and at some point or another, they get forgotten about. They get they, they drift into the, into the ether. And that causes a cycle of having to reinvent teaching practice. When we're talking about teaching, it, it makes it difficult to, to have cohesive and productive conversations about what we're doing in the classroom, because we all have our own way of describing or articulating what we're doing and why we're doing it. And sometimes we, you know, we, we've all probably recognised this in our career. We've, We've done something that we think has worked, and then, for all manner of reasons, which we can never quite put our finger on, <laughs> we we sit in a in a room. And we say, "Oh yeah, can you remember when we used to do this? And it used to work really well. Why did we stop that?" And nobody really knows <laughs> why we stopped doing it. And so, I, I think walkthroughs on on from from Tom and Oliver's perspective was it is an attempt to kind of capture. Um, Capture that practice, the, the the kind of the best bets, the things that that teachers do that are tried and tested, that work, you know, that solve problems that we face constantly in the classroom. And and it seems strange, really, that the the teaching profession is has always been quite resistant to codifying practice in the way that lots of other professions do. So if you look at the medical profession, uh, yeah. architecture. Aviation; these these professions codify their index of excellence, the things that they think or know work, and they make them available to anybody in that profession. And and I always tell the story of, and I had a, you know, I was very fortunate early in my career. I had some fantastic mentors. My head of department when I first joined, um, my very first teacher post was was fantastic. My colleagues were great, but. But I walked into to my first English department, and I was given a copy of *Of Mice and Men* and *Inspector Calls*, and directed to my classroom, and said, "There you go." You know, and and I didn't know how to deliver that content. You know, I didn't have that, and and they did, because <laughs> they'd been doing it for a long time. You know, they'd been doing it before, and they'd built up this repertoire of things that work. And and it's so hard to share that if you haven't got it curated somewhere or written down in a format that that, that you can. Share and discuss and return to and revisit because otherwise it's just you're just for want of a better phrase you're winging it a little, <laughs> a little bit you're in the classroom you're trying to do your best I mean you're trying to get these things work, working working and and that's what walkthroughs offers it's a it's a a toolkit a a Lego set of teaching practice curated from the best of what we know works in the classroom in many contexts, you know, from expert teachers, great teachers, from researchers, from cognitive science. Tried and tested techniques that you know, we, we we regularly stress to teachers don't represent doing something differently. One of the things I love about them is that they they're not asking the teacher to do something in addition to what they're already doing. They are the things are already in place in the classroom. There's already a space in teachers' practice for these for these techniques. And It's just about how can we maximise the impact that those techniques have on learning on the children and the kind of codification. I mean, the graphic uh, element of them, the way they're laid out, the way they're presented, that kind of five step agenda just presents a really useful shared language to talk about it. uh, I frequently use an example around think-pair-share, a core technique that every teacher uses this. (laughs) Every teacher uses a a, a variation of of pair talk. And if I ask a room full of 100 teachers how they use think-pair-share, they'd all do it in their own way. I'd have 100 different responses and Inherently, there's nothing wrong with that because most of those would be highly effective. But it makes it difficult to have a conversation about that technique. Makes it difficult to kind of break down that technique in a way that might help us all do it better or leverage its impact on students in a a kind of a a more significant way. And and that's where I had. Well, that's what what Walkthroughs presents is a a collection of five-step guides that codify good teaching practice, presents an agenda for great coaching conversations, professional conversations. Built on a shared understanding, a shared language around the thing it is that we're all trying to do. Um, and, And just a final thought on that really, I think for a long time teachers have sat in training rooms and nodded along because they understand the logistics of the thing it is we're trying to do and they understand the principle of questioning. But understanding why we should ask questions doesn't mean that we can ask good questions in the classroom. Understanding why we need to challenge students and stretch students and have academic rigor doesn't help us raise this, the, the level of academic rigor in our classroom and so that bridge between theory and research and the things that a teacher says and does and plans for and sees in the classroom is 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 such an important one when we're when we're moving teaching and learning forward and, and for me that's the real um that's the real the unique benefit of of walkthroughs as a format and and how it works.
0: Brilliant brilliant, thank you yeah and and, and for those who haven't seen them as you say this is kind of consistently five steps aren't they Lo- lovely clear uh, images and then um uh, kind of two, two or three sort of uh, sub-steps uh, and um, again when I when I first saw these and was looking at an example like I say like uh, for example uh, think pair share and knowing i've used this practice for many many years but then you, you read it through and you look at these five different steps and you read those kind of subsections underneath and you think actually i've never done step three yeah or yeah or this step four that i never really nailed and, and i think that that's the absolute magic yeah L- linda's uh, you're our ex your resident expert in in coaching linda aren't you and uh, i know um fascinated by what Matt's got to say um about how we use it or how we can use walkthroughs um yeah yeah
1: thing um I I wouldn't say I was an expert but I'm certainly interested in it and it's um it it seems I always think in education Matt um you know kind of you know buzzwords you know there's there's usual you know something that's you know quite quite you know um everybody's doing it at this you know at the same time and coaching you know even though it's been around you know since since I've been teaching, um but suddenly, you know you the conversation around coaching has become more and more um and leaders that I know that you know that we speak to um are all. You know, looking towards coaching, a, a method of helping you know staff to improve. What do you? Why do you think that is? Why do you think um, leaders are looking <coughs> at coaching as being? You know, what is it that about it that makes it so effective? Um, uh, you know, to support staff to improve. Uh, well, well, I think I think you're absolutely right to begin with, Linda. I think there is there's a huge
2: clamour for it at the moment, and the Particularly around the language of instructional coaching, but but like you point out, this is it's not a new domain. <clears throat> it's 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 been a long, uh, around for for kind of decades and decades and decades. And I, I kind of think there's uh, a few factors at play as to why it's so um, in vogue now. I think um, I think it's a bit of a perfect storm around uh, professional learning entitlement, around the nature of developing teaching and Doing it in a way that respects the professionalism of teachers. I think there's a uh, maybe a response to a backlash around accountability and um, some of the systems that are in place in schools that masquerade as teacher development, but but actually maybe offer something different. Um, and I think also then the the prominence of some key educators, some key thinkers around uh, around the coaching domain, and I'm thinking especially of Jim Knight and the, the the kind of the the traction that his work has gained in the UK. I'm thinking of colleagues like Rachel Lofthouse, Professor Rachel Rachel Lofthouse, who uh, her movement uh, around collective Ed um, has really brought coaching kind of to the forefront of of education discussion which i think is, is you know, hu- hugely important and then the work of of people like tom and oliver and walkthroughs and and josh goodrich and uh, claire hill and the team at step lab and the work that they do in sharing coaching strategies and approaches i think that's that's um contributed and listen i think the really big turning point it, it was you know, the, the work and the evidence base, kind of shared by Sam Sims and Harry Fletcher Wood, and yes. the the kind of publication of the EF report um, yes. into effective PD, I think it was late 2021, and uh, and that really kind of shaped the thinking around. Let's be honest, what was quite sketchy research around what makes effective professional learning, and with that information out there, and the the the, the idea, the kind of recognition of the the mechanisms as the driver to what works. I think heads and school leaders are looking for systems and processes that enable them to meet those mechanisms uh, around building knowledge, around motivating teachers, around developing teaching techniques, around embedding practice over a longer term. And I think that's made people rethink what what happens in schools. And, um, and, and I think it's really important that that evidence base is important because it it stops short of saying that instructional coaching is the way to do it but I think people draw their own conclusions and say you know, if you get instructional coaching or you get teacher coaching right in schools that you have a really good chance of meeting those mechanisms of fulfilling those and, and doing a good job of of bringing staff along with you to do that and 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 that for me is what what I think is has kind of generated some momentum around it. I don't know what your thoughts are i don't know no, I,
1: I think going back to what you what you said earlier about you know um when you know um suddenly you know the the twitter yeah, um, you know um concept came along and more people were joining on you know on twitter and talking about education and teaching and learning and i've seen that over the years kind of really get some momentum behind behind it mm-hmm. and then you have the research edge groups you know i know they yeah, meet sometimes at the weekend and people are you know um going to these events and having these you know wonderful in-depth discussions and i think you know from from what i I you know what I can see is I think coaching you know is is being developed um you know o- over the years because people's understanding of teaching and learning you know um it's got a lot um it's a lot deeper now yeah where before, as you said, the research was put out there, and not everybody, you know, I, I for one, you know, didn't really get involved in that. But once that gap between the research and practice started to come out, you know, by the work of, you know, I know all the John Cats, you know, mm-hmm. publications, they really do help, um, you know, everybody involved in, in teaching and learning, um, to really understand, you know, that, you know, the pedagogy that. Yeah that goes behind and I think when coaching happens at its best you know it's when people have a really secure understanding of what you know of, of what they're talking about and I think that's getting more and more now you know people mm-hmm. it seems like the norm does <coughs> To have these conversations, um, you know, which is great. I know that you, you've you've touched on instructional coaching, which I'll come back to in a minute. But um, I know when when you were working with us a couple of weeks ago, you talked about the spectrum of coaching. Yeah. Um, can you just touch on that and just explain um, a little bit more about that?
2: Yeah, of course. I mean, I I think there are so many different approaches to to coaching, and and I think this has caused and this is this has caused some challenges around talking about coaching in schools, um, around not quite jurisdiction but expertise around coaching. I think, and and what approaches to coaching are, uh, are appropriate, and and so I think it is helpful to see coaching on a continuum. And I, I I mean I I tend to share as I I think I did with you and your your staff um, Jim Knight's model uh, of uh, the coaching spectrum, where you have coaching processes that are largely facilitative, you know, on, on one side and that kind of executive life coaching model, which is heavily communicative. You know, the the idea is that the, the coach is there to support the teacher to solve the challenges that they're facing. I think it's that, that kind of the answer is is within, you know, that 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 model. And and there are people who just do phenomenal things from from that perspective. And, you know, and it's such an empowering approach for teachers to to kind of to feel you know Jim Jim Knight talks a lot about the, the partnership principles and how empowering it is to feel as a teacher that your voice is heard when it comes to the things and it sounds daft doesn't it but your voice is heard when it comes to the things happening in your class in your classroom you with you with your children and 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 that's that's hugely hugely important and and I think the key for me is that no, nobody disputes that, that that's massively important and massively effective. But but it's important that we can be flexible along that continuum because that requires teachers to be, in my opinion, incredibly self-reflective to to be able to to arrive at the point where the thing it is that that is going to make a difference for them is is kind of grasped and 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 is pulled into that conversation from by the teacher. And and there are lots of challenges around that. And and for a long time, kind of at the other end of the spectrum, you have uh, kind of directive coaching, which I think is the <laughs> is kind of really given a bit of heat, you know, directive coaching. But but actually, I mean, that 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 we could we could you know liken that to mentoring, you know, directive coaching where the, the coach gives suggestions, you know, tells the, the t- teacher what might work. It's such an important part of <laughs> of of the work we do particularly with new teachers you know sometimes sometimes teachers don't have the answer you know and and sometimes the person that they're working with might do (laughs) And and I think that's okay you know and it's it's in the same way it has massive benefits and there are lots of models out there which probably lean towards that directive side and what Jim Knight talks about and I think what we like about um, that, that continuum is that there's there's lots of space in between, <laughs> you know, lots of space in the middle, and and so Jim talks about the dialogical approach, and and I think this is just a great start point. The idea that in most schools where coaching is 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 happening, it's happening between colleagues. <laughs> you know, it's not it, we're not in the in, in the U.S. model. There are, you know, generally speaking, in the U.S. model, you have coaches employed as coaches and and that's their job you know and they are trained as coaches and they work across schools or across districts and they are the coach you know um we don't have that infrastructure in the UK and so to make it sustainable or to make it work the the people who are coaching are teachers and they're the colleagues of the people that they're working with you know and and I think that makes it so important that it's not a hierarchical thing it's it's two teachers talking about teaching. <laughs> you know, that's a start point. And sometimes the teacher is incredibly self-reflective. Mm. The person on the receiving end of, of the coaching, the person being coached, is incredibly self-reflective. And and I've sat down with teachers and they've they kind of rubbed their hands with glee and they're saying, "Oh God, I've been looking forward to this. I've I've, I've thought about this. I've looked at this. I want to try this. I'm not sure about this." And my job is just to say. How can I help? you know and other times I've sat next to teachers and they're really struggling to see what it is they want to work on and sometimes they need a different perspective. they need to to kind of you know have a nudge towards the things that they might think about and, and you need to be a little bit more directive and and often it's, it it finds that happy that sweet spot in the middle where and the teacher says, Well, this is what I'm thinking, what do you reckon? And and I, as a coach, say, Well, this is what I'm thinking, what do you reckon? <laughs> and and that's okay. That's not judgmental, that's not evaluative. That's two teachers talking about the challenges of being in a classroom. And and so I think that's always a starting point. And I think there's room along that that spectrum. Um I hope it's okay to say as well, but I I've I've started thinking about other potential axes and and kind of spectrums within the coaching domain as well. I think that kind of approach that, that, that uh, is is so important, but, but I also think sometimes there, there, there might be, it might be worth thinking about a a purpose driven spectrum as well is why are we coaching? Um, And I think that kind of, that, that shifts from, from organization to organization, from school to school. And and I think to, to kind of, put a bit of kind of um, meat on that for, for me a lot of the work that we do with teachers a lot of the coaching that I do is I'd probably describe as technical pedagogy coaching where my purpose really is to build teaching techniques to build a repertoire to support the teacher to build teaching techniques and and there are lots of other models out there that that do similar things and there are also models there that kind of prioritize the relational emotional communicative um, aspects of coaching where that's more about the well-being of the teacher and and, the the things they want to achieve and and I think it's right that you kind of slide along that spectrum as well you know Um, and I I really think it's okay and I you know this is again just my opinion I think lots of voices have their own opinions on this but I really think it's okay for schools to study that, that, that that those those kind of those ideas that, that that spectrum and and work out what it is that they're trying to get out of it yeah know? and and that's a starting point and and I think that's the only way that coaching ever becomes a widely available to everybody and not just the lucky few who who can do it and and, and be sustainable you know because nobody wants to roll out a coaching program for a year and and that's it you know it, it has to be you know, I, I i often talk about the the foreverness you know, when we set things up we we should always have in mind shouldn't we that the thing that we wanna do could be forever you know that we the war that's happening for for a long long time and and I think that keeps us honest in terms of how carefully we consider those things and and do that,
1: yeah. I, I, I loved it when you were when you came in for the training um day and you know you were talking about, you know, two teachers having a conversation. Um and you, you were talking about instructional coaching. Um and you said about um You know both teachers coming from very different places um not better than each other um different and that really resonated with me and the power of that you know with two people having a conversation um with you know with one focus um coming from two different you know experience of teaching um you know different year groups different subjects you know their own personal experiences um you know, you know, there, there's lots to be learned from each other there, yeah. Um, yeah. and coaching really does allow to ha- you know, us to have those conversations, doesn't it? Um, you talked about obviously you've talked about walkthroughs and you know, um, and you know the five steps that that, that you know that that gives that they give us. Um, how 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 do you see that the you know the walkthroughs you know support the coaching process in a school? Yeah. Um. Well, well,
2: just just briefly, Linda, to go to go back to what you were saying there, that 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 perspective thing is so important. You know, and, yeah. And I think there are there there are some kind of ideas around coaching that I think people fear giving their opinion sometimes. And you know, and I'm I'm massively influenced by Jim Knight's work and, and the stuff he does around the Impact Cycle, and and Jim talks in in his writing around the role of the dialogical coach, and okay. is 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 not to withhold their expertise. You know it's to to advocate for things that they know and and from jim's perspective if i if I've got it correctly from from my understanding it's it's okay to, it's okay to say you know, would you mind if i told you share share some ideas would you mind if I told you what i thought you know, that that that's okay we shouldn't be be worried about that and and there's an ethical thing as well because to make it sustainable it needs to be realistic in terms of the time that we can throw at it and and I'd almost say sometimes there's something unethical about playing guess what's in my head with the teacher. Yeah. You know, I just think it's a, it's a much more productive foundation just to, let's just talk about it. <laughs> let's just say it, you know, let's just do it. Right.
1: And it's, that's um, what the walkthroughs do, isn't it? You know, they, well, they yeah. say, guess what's in my head. It's, it's there, you know, the conversation that the focus is, is, is there, isn't it? In those five yeah, steps. Yeah,
2: yeah. And, and, and that's the key thing. So, you yeah. know, I, Jim also, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't get royalties for mentioning Jim Knight, but um, I wish I did. Um, but but Jim also kind of talks about the idea that a conversation without a goal is just a conversation. Right? And there's lots of evidence if you go back to the EF report. Um, but even if you go back to kind of um, Malcolm Knowles' theory of adult learning, what he calls kind of andragogy, and he talks about the idea of, goal-oriented learning you know that adults and professionals are motivated by by goals and you know, that's what kind of what Jim's chipping into and and so when we have a coaching conversation there has to be a purpose behind it there has to be a goal and you know the way that you fulfill any goal is through action and I think sometimes where coaching conversations are less successful is where they're just a nice conversation <laughs> you know? um, and that's not a, that's not a bad kind of it's, it's not a disastrous, worst case scenario, is it, that I've got two teachers talking for half an hour around teach and learning, but it's not as productive as having them moving forward in their practice. And and so f- with, with walkthroughs, you have a a, a core agenda for, for the coaching conversation, you know, and, yes. and you have action oriented discussion around the steps that you're trying to do and and the key thing to stress, uh, I don't think I made the point clearly earlier on, is the, a walkthrough, the five step guide is not a concrete checklist for how the technique must be done and anything else is is off the table. It's it's an agenda. It's a it's a, a route through a often more nuanced and complicated technique than we give them credit for, you know, deceptively complicated techniques. And it's not a case of saying you didn't do step one. It's a case of saying Let's have a look at step one. (laughs) Let's think about how this connects to what we already do in the classroom. So cold calling is a great example. You you look at cold calling and the first step for cold calling is ask the class a question. (laughs) And that's that's so easy, isn't it? But it's not (laughs) It's, it's not easy to ask a question that is a ripe for the format of a cold call routine, B, that is linked to appropriate curriculum content that stimulates deep thinking for for students and 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 even the linguistic features of how do i say that that, that question what, what what are the words i use when do i you know what happens if i front load my question with the name of the student who's going to answer it and everything else goes wrong you know and and these are these are difficult habits to break for, for teachers who have been maybe doing a different way for a long time and and so the detail around those is so important. And, and that's what you're discussing in, in a conversation with walkthroughs, a coach conversation with walkthroughs. It's not, oh, let's have a look at cold calling. Ask a question. Well, that's easy. You do that. Well, that's perfect. Let's move on. It's how are we doing this? How effectively is that working? How have you gone about implementing that? What does that look like in your classroom with, with your kids? And you know, what have you seen work with that? And what are the challenges with that? And, and so that opens up really kind of, a layer of detail that we rarely get to when we're just talking at a surface level about teaching and learning. You know, you, you get into the detail of it, and and I think that's where we find a lot of traction with with the things we do and how we move things forward.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I uh, I'm really interested, Matt, in the um <coughs> the dynamics of coaching. You know, the how how it's set up. So we, you know, we've talked about the you know the pairing. Um, but obviously there's, there's many different ways that, you know, we could set it up and group coaching is something that I'm kind of quite interested in really, um, you know, getting, um, you know, two or three people with the same coach. Is that something that, that you're familiar with? And could you talk us through, you know, possibly the, the pros and cons of that? yeah yeah so i mean I mean, this is where i am going to get in trouble because
2: <laughs> there are some very strong opinions around um configurations in coaching um jim jim talks a lot about one-to-one coaching you know his model is one-to-one coaching yeah. um i think it's fair to say actually i don't think anyone would dis- dispute that you know at its heart instructional coaching in its origin instructional coaching is a one-to-one process um mm however <laughs> that's really really tough to realize in in a whole school environment to how do you provide a one to one coach for every teacher in your school um and where that system and infrastructure might be in place in in some in some places in, in the states for example i think they've got they're a little, little bit closer to that i don't I, we just don't have that here you know and and running one to one coaching can cause some real challenges for schools you know and uh for example I mean some obvious ones are you need either more coaching (laughs) lots of coaches and then how do you how do you um validate the quality of those coaching conversations you've got variation among those people and and again the reality is lots of schools just don't have those people you know and and how do you find time (laughs) for all of those regular coaching conversations to take place where everybody's having them you know and 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 that's a challenge and and so I think that's nudged schools and coaches to think about other ways of doing it. And and I've got to be honest, when I first started um, coaching, I I was a purist. <laughs> I was I was all about one to one coaching and and I made it happen in my school. Um, but it was hard. It was really hard to do it and it meant all kinds of kind of logistical challenges around splitting the teaching cohort and training coaches and, and that kind of stuff. And and, and so I think listen I think there are huge, huge obvious benefits of one-to-one coaching. Namely, those benefits are magnified for the teacher being coached and then obviously for the the children um, that that, that they're working with. I've come to think of it as a little bit of a a concession either way, an imperfect model either way. So when you're working one-to-one with a teacher, the benefits for that teacher and their children are huge, okay? The chances of creating momentum at a whole school level and having system-wide change can be less effective when you when you put a body of, of one-to-one coaching, a process of one-to-one coaching in, because everybody's working on their own thing. And that makes it difficult to maybe get a little bit of forward momentum at a whole school level if there are significant priorities that you're trying to reach. If you move to a whole school level, and I've worked with schools who are coaching at a whole school level, uh, uh, there's a, a colleague I have, um, Nat in London, in Eldon Primary School in London, and she coaches um, all of her all of her teachers together, um, and it's a big primary school in the hall, and she she does it all the time <laughs> with, with all of them, you know. And and she's brilliant at it, and it means that the momentum that the school make and and build around cold calling is phenomenal, you know. Yeah. But ultimately, it means that teachers are getting a less personalised diet around the things they might be ch- um, facing in 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 uh, their own classroom, and so. So I think that there's a a happy medium emerging and so a lot of the work that we do, particularly in secondary schools, I think where curriculum teams are more prominent, Um, but I think this this works well in phase teams in, in, in kind of primary settings as well, where there's an acceptance that teachers within a similar curriculum area or a similar phase are more likely to face common challenges in the classroom linked to their curriculum or phase um and so you get a little bit of the benefit of both if you're in a team based setting if that makes sense um jim talks a lot, and and again i don't want to stoke the fire here but um there's some great podcast action of of tom and um jim discussing um group coaching and team coaching. Uh, I think if I'm allowed to plug another podcast, Tom's uh, Tom and Emma's Mind the Gap podcast where Jim Knight is a guest. Um, they have a great exchange about this. They, they really kind of go into this in detail because Tom's a big advocate of, of group coaching um, and, and how well it can work. And And I think Jim's kind of consensus on this is the challenge of group coaching is that does every member of that group leave with a compelling goal that motivates them to invest in the solution um, and the challenge of group work as we know in in the classroom and and you know in, in kind of um, an, an adult learning setting I suppose is how do we make that group goal compelling enough for the individuals within that group how do how do we do that and and I think that is a challenge and, and so one of the things that we talk about in making team coaching work is that within the group goal we have to find a way of enabling the individual teachers to extrapolate what that goal looks like for them and what their contribution towards that goal might be and it has to be meaningful to them so that they're going to invest in doing it and it has to be useful to them so that they recognize the relevance of of investing their time and and i think and i think i'd probably go along with that i think that's the that's the driver i think yeah you could coach a thousand teachers at the same time if they all left that session with a compelling goal and an orientation to action around that goal I think I think you'd be onto a winner (laughs) the the challenge of doing that is tough and that's why it's easier in smaller groups isn't it that's why when you're working one-to-one with a teacher on their classroom and their their um, challenges then the goal is theirs and they own it you know and 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 so I think that's I, I, think, I think that's a key for me. Uh, and so we talk about coaching in lots of different configurations as a logistical consideration, but I don't think it changes the philosophy or the the nature of the conversation. What it does do is pose some interesting questions around how you run those sessions. You know, and um, uh, we we use uh, Paul Bambrick Santoyo's model of the, the five P's model as a kind of an overarching framework of of you know running coaching feedback sessions so you know praise probe problem practice plan you know and and it's you know, important that we're not bogged down by that as a framework for the conversation because the agenda of the thing is the thing we're doing you know is a is the technique that we're working on but but you know taking a group of teachers through and and maybe using a paired paired approach where we think, well, we've all been looking at cold calling. So here are the steps of cold calling. Here's what it looks like. Let's remind ourselves of the things we've been working on. And and step one, oh it's a deceptive one, that ask a question and we know there's a lot more to it than than that, don't we? So pair up with your with your with your colleague and have a little discussion about how you've gone about implementing that step. What's worked really effectively for your children in your classroom? Where is it really landed? And and then what kind of difficulties have we had in getting that right, you know? And then the coach of the group kind of digs into what the teachers are saying. But it, it you mentioned dynamic. This is such an important dynamic. It it comes from the teachers first, because it's their classroom, you know, and and they feed back and kind of go through the things that are working well for their children. They affirm the positive actions that, that have been effective. And likewise they kind of share the things that they're struggling with and share the things that aren't there yet. And, and everybody does that in the group and the coach validates and digs into that and tops it up with what they've seen on their observations, on their learning walks, not in a judgmental way, but in a way that reinforces the thing it is that we're talking about and the things it is that we're experiencing in the classroom. And, and, and that could be really powerful. And there are a lot of benefits in, in team settings that you don't get in one to one settings, you know, a team mentality, a collegiate energy, you know, a, a solidarity. We're in it together. You know, we're we're all doing this An accountability around the team. You know, nobody really wants to be the one member of the team who hasn't done it. Mm-hmm. you know. And so you're not accountable to the system, but you're accountable to your colleagues. You know, the, the the modeling and rehearsal is often more fun in a team when you know nobody wants to role play it one to one. It's just weird, isn't it? <laughs> but if you if you're in a team setting and everybody's role playing and having a go, then everybody's giving it a go and it and and it, it it works, you know. And so you have benefits of 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 coaching in a team, but challenges of logistically doing that and and making sure that everybody is is investing in it. And then you have benefits of working one to one and in in pairs and. And challenges of doing that. So so I don't think there's a perfect answer. Um and again it's just around what is it what what could it look like for us, you know, and I think there's lovely yeah. stuff happening around hybrid models, Linda, as well, where where's kind of there's an element of one to one coaching happening, there's an element of team based coaching happening, there's an element of whole school. Yeah, that yeah. kind of three stream approach I think is really effective.
1: I think it did goes back to individuals, Matt, because I think when you think about a group coach you know, group coaching, um, you know, um it's about knowing your staff, isn't it? As I know that there'd be some staff that um wouldn't be as open and honest if they were in a you know, a group coaching session, um almost because it, it can depersonalise it a little bit. Yeah, of course. Um, and you know um and I you, I think it's about managing that risk, isn't it? And knowing just knowing your staff, isn't it? So a hybrid model would be, you know, is probably the answer there, isn't it? Um I know something that, you know, also interested in, but I think this is a conversation for another day, is uh, developing students, you know, and their their coaching um you know coaching each other um and I, I think that is something that I know that we're kind of that would be our next step in the future um you know to develop a real coaching culture in yeah. our schools you know and it is a you know as you know it it doesn't just you know, I think the start of it is getting our, you know, our staff trained, you know, in coaching and, you know, becoming comfortable with it. Um, But that doesn't develop, you know, a a culture, Um, you know, it it goes outside with our pupils, with our parents, um, and it becoming almost, you know a a consistent um way that we you know we challenge each other or we you know have a conversation with each other um Mm -hmm. it 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 becomes the norm but we're we're just at the start absolutely fascinating um Uh, uh, just just
2: uh, a quick note on that i think that's uh, lovely and uh, I, i name drop another couple of people who have been kind of really influential on me here like is, that, the, the, is
1: it jim knight
2: no it's not jim again it's not jim no
1: i've written dave down about five times uh, well,
2: yeah well i think he's he's had such a, an influence over everybody yeah. who is now yeah. you know working in coaching i think that's only right but but i think um there's a chap chris Monroe who is a i believe he's a, he's a, a scottish educator but he works out of australia um and uh he he's I mean, he's fantastic. And if you can kind of dig into some of his work. But one of the things I've I've kind of stayed with me from from listening to Chris is he describes a coaching stance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is really helpful because not all schools are, are at the point where they they are ready to implement or able to implement formal coaching arrangements and systems. And and actually there's a, 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 you know, an idea where you don't really want you wouldn't really want your coaching mentality and philosophy restricted just to the process of those coaching cycles that are happening you know it, that that kind of coaching stance that you take through your 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 everyday operation as an educator you know in the conversations you have in the corridor with with teachers in the the work that you do with your students I, I think that's part of building the culture, you know, and 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 I think that's a lovely way to do it. And and the second thing, uh, uh, the second person I'll, 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 I'll give props to here is via our friends, our mutual friends, who's, who's with you tomorrow, John Tomsit, who edited the um, in action book, um, Cognitive Apprenticeship, uh, Alan Collins' Cognitive Apprenticeship in in action. And I think th- there's a lovely metaphor in in that idea of the the cognitive apprenticeship being. And its connections with coaching. You know, the idea being that we are guiding the practice of the people that we're working with. We're guiding the practice of the teachers that we work with when we're coaching. We're guiding the practice of the students that we're working with. And if you can get to the point where students are resources to support that guidance for each other, I I think that that's that's incredible. So there's absolutely correlation between the things that 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 we're talking about and the, the culture that you end up forming in your in your school.
1: Yeah. What a lovely way of putting it, guiding the practice.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. Matt, th-
0: thank you. It's been, it's been absolutely fascinating um, just to just sit and listen to it. it's both of you talking about um, coaching, and um, I, I think you it, it it takes me back to when and um, actually the the, you know, the number of quotes that you've given us, the number of uh, further reading <laughs> um, that you've given us, um, even even a podcast uh, as well to listen to. Um, yeah, it takes me back to when I went from um, just kind of reading uh, of sort of a narrow group of sort of comic books, Tintin and that kind of thing, to uh, learning about Italo Calvino uh, and so on. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. my, my, my literary world exploded. Um, you've, you've again, exploded my uh, educational uh, world as well. And um, but but also you brought it really into kind of a practical sense um, of, of how to do it. Uh, of how to do it, so I don't think that further reading is necessary for everybody. But fab- absolutely fabulous um, yeah. that you, you know that, that you're keeping your finger on, on that pulse and actually bringing it into a, a real sort of meaningful um, uh, um, and, and really understandable um, sort of process um, for the people that you're working with. So so thank you. It's, it's been a, it's been a real pleasure.
2: No, th- thank you for having me and and my colleague Oliver Caviglioli, who is the Creative force behind walkthroughs is a huge Tintin fan, so I'm 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 sure he'd be delighted to hear that that, that you share that passion, Peter as well. So. I,
0: I definitely do. I definitely
2: do. <laughs> but listen, thank you both for having me so much. I, I really enjoyed that, and and you know, ha- have a great weekend, and I'll speak thank to you again soon.
0: You too. Thanks, Matt.
2: Thank you. Thanks, guys. Bye bye.
1: that was fascinating fascinating conversation uh that we just had uh, with matt but uh, you know i know that both both our schools have been um you know um using walkthroughs um for a while now um and i think it was just it's really insightful isn't it to hear you know hear from matt um you know how you know how they can really plug that gap between theory and practice and I thought it was quite interesting um you know his take on um you know why more educators are becoming uh, more interested in research um I, f- I found that quite um interesting because I know it's something that we've talked about before you know we've mentioned how you know the EF research you know and um you know the reports that come out they certainly weren't around you know 28 years ago when I started teaching Um, and it's really you know I can really you know um, link with what Matt was saying about you know when you were a teacher um, suddenly you know you're exposed to this classroom full of 30 children and really you know it's over to it is over to you Um, and you know I think wouldn't it be wonderful to be an ECT now? You know, with the abundance of um, you know resources and educationalists that are out there who are willing to share, you know, their ideas. Um, and I just think walkthroughs are are key to really you know delving into you know you know the the the, the many different you know pedagogical um, uh, you know approaches in a classroom. Um, And really strip, you know, strip them down, you know, like you said, you know, sometimes you don't think about, you know, the the intricate steps that make up, say, questioning or cold calling. And what they really do is allow you to uh, to really, you know, um, dissect, you know, that particular, um, you know, pedagogy. And work out where is it that I need support as a teacher. Yeah, fascinating.
0: Absolutely. I've got to say, I think I know more about teaching, uh, or have learnt more about teaching rather, um, in the last five, certainly the last ten years, uh, than than I did the the, the, the first. or well, more than half of my my career, when i was spending most of my time in the classroom, and um, you know, my my training as a as an NQT as it was, an ECT as it would be now, um, was was you know I had worked with some, some fabulous people, really great mentors. Um but it was really limited in terms of I had to kind of work it out for myself. Um and I think what's what's you know what, what Matt's really kind of talked about there is um just and, and just demonstrated is how much uh as say how much knowledge there is now available to to teachers um and teaching assistants. Um but the walkthroughs and the way that Matt talks about it, and the way that he, as a school leader, but now working with walkthroughs, um, can really kind of simplify it so that again those, those busy, busy teachers, busy teaching assistants can actually just really digest it, really reflect on their own practice, and, and crack on with it. Um, and I, I find him fascinating to listen to. I thought he was he was brilliant uh, with our staff uh, last week. Uh, really engaging. Um, really accessible um and, and and the other thing that again you talked you know you touched on this with, with the um uh in the conversation about about the coaching uh process he really kind of started with that importance of knowing about teaching and learning in order to, to coach teachers effectively um and i've got to say you know my my introduction to coaching um which was uh, many years ago now was was very much that um uh, uh, that kind of supportive coach but not com- not coming with any answers not being directive uh, at all and, and very much trying to support the the one person that you're coaching um to find the answers within but you know obviously kind of matt's um matt's examples there you illustrate that you can use a lot of those kind of coaching techniques which are really effective in terms of communications and supporting people um but still give them some direction give them some support and again the walkthroughs can be a really uh, instrumental tool in that
1: yeah they i think you know the the fact that you know now walkthroughs have introduced you know coaching in you know into uh, you know their resources um The the two really do go hand in hand, don't they? Um, And, you know, I know that when we've introduced the walkthroughs and, you know, even more so now people are being trained in coaching when using them. um, It's, you know, that consistency um you know throughout a school and also that common language um that you know that that people are beginning to um to use and he touched on teams didn't he you know when he was talking about um you know coaching dynamics and you know if everyone in the school is focused on you know using walkthroughs not you're not the same one but you know It's that systematic approach, isn't it, of walking through the five steps Mm -hmm. and, you know, that, you know, those conversations are richer. Um, And I think, you know, after, you know, the training session that we had, you know, opening, you know, um, up the, you know, the idea of coaching um, through the walkthrough. Um, I I can see, you know, going from strength to strength in, you know, in our schools, you know, teachers, teaching assistants as well, everybody being involved in it and having those conversations. Um, Really interesting what what Matt was saying about, you know, the the kind of setup of coaches, Um, you know, do we go with one-to-one coaches? Um, Do we do group coaching? And, you know, I think, you know, my, my, when Matt was talking, you know, my, I just kept coming back to the personalization of it, you know, because I know that, you know, our staff love it, you know, that one-to-one, it's an opportunity. Somebody's going to listen to me. I'm going to have a really rich conversation about teaching and learning. Sometimes they don't want to share that. <laughs> um, but I think when you introduce, you know, the possibility for hybrid, you know, moving between the two, um, uh, you know, I think that's something that, um You know, as a trust, you know we can, you know, we talk to, you know, talk to the staff um, about the possibilities of that, Um, and then the students as well. You know, um,
0: I I think I think that's a great opportunity, isn't it? And 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 I suppose we're still in the developing phase, aren't we? Both introducing the walkthroughs and getting those used um, um, by uh, by all of our staff, um, and and also coaching. But it's, it's part of our offer, isn't it, for for professional development for everybody that um, all of our staff are members of the walkthroughs, they've got access to all the resources, um, and uh, you know, we, we ultimately want everybody to have access to a coach as well. And certainly everybody wanting to be able to use uh, a coach uh, and in the main it's going to be probably peer coaches, um, but certainly, um, you know, line manager coaches as well. So you've got this kind of, those experts um, in, um, in in the domains kind of supporting Uh, Supporting staff. Uh, I think that's really, really important. But uh, untypically, we're we're not totally aligned on on this, are we? As a a tight knit trust, we we often do this, uh, um, you introduce these things in a a, uh, very consistent basis. But actually, so you've you've been um, developing some group coaching um, with the introduction of the walkthroughs, haven't you, on a kind of half termly basis or thereabouts? How's that coming?
1: we have so we we didn't, um went down the line um it was linked with um so you know both schools are doing the end um, informative assessment um with SSAT um and we uh, um kind of linked our uh, the techniques you know within the five strategies you know when they um were going through those when you know in the tlcs um you know people were beginning to realize that um you know um that were there were walkthroughs that could help you know support them with particular techniques um so we decided um that at first we would um ask people um uh, you know within phases um so early years key stage one lower and upper key stage two to talk and to come to you know come up with you know um a particular area within you know um within you know the walkthroughs um linking you know linking to um you know the formative assessment technique um which one they wanted to um to work on as a phase um, and they have entered because of this into a group coaching, uh, where the TLC lead became that you know that um, so we came out of the TLC you know at, at this point, and um, you know they went into a coaching scenario, um, and it you know it worked it was quite natural, um, but every other term we then do um, you know um, individual. Um, you know they decide on a particular walkthrough it doesn't have to be linked to uh, formative assessment um and they are assigned you know um a, a coach um so they get you know they're getting a, a taster of, of both really group coaching um and um you know that that one-to-one that peer coaching um i haven't asked them yet which they prefer um you know, I think, I think I'll get different answers from different people. And I suppose at different times as well, Um, you know, sometimes they might prefer the group coaching where something, I imagine, you know, if they're really, really struggling with something and it's, you know, they need a lot more support with it, maybe from a, you know, more of an expert, more of a directive coaching, um, then, you know, they might want that on a one-to-one um, you know, and I think that's what I was talking about with, with Matt. You know, I don't want to take away that personalization or people not being as honest as they would be in a one-to-one, you know, session. Um, but yeah, you know, we're 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 trying both. I think that's what is wonderful about, you know, um, coaching. It, you know, it's about trying it out, isn't it? Um, but we've we've always got the, you know, the walkthroughs. There are, you know, our core um you know resources to use um you know to improve our teaching and learning um and how we do that you know coaching styles coaching um you know groups or one-to-one is um it's kind of interchangeable at the moment
0: yeah which is brilliant and and i certainly think that yeah the next step is um well we've talked a lot haven't we about um developing more and more kind of cross-phase conversations we had some of those uh t- taking place kind of loosely last week but uh, sort of formalizing some of those um uh, but also certainly um the involving students as well um student mentors i know you've been talking to matt about um peer assessments as well in in the classroom and um you know supporting children uh to support each other uh, and i think that's a, a really interesting area yeah. for us to explore
1: Yeah, they've got to be taught to do that. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think too often, you know, we say to, you know, children, you know, turn to your partner and talk to them or, you know, um, you know, peer assess each other's work. Um, And in order to do that really well, and I think as we're moving through the formative assessment programme, that is really helping us to look at that, to use you know um you know the peers use each other as a resource um and it links beautifully to developing them as coaches mm. um you know and then moving on to parents you know and eventually the hot you know all conversations that we're having you know is in a coaching style wouldn't that be wonderful
0: absolutely linda thanks ever so much and uh, thanks again to to matt take care see you soon.
1: Bye now. Thank you